0: Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior If you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message, and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word so grateful we can still sing that song
1: today that Jesus died for me and he died for you too and if you don't know him today uh, we're going to introduce him to you and I invite you to join with me in the book of John chapter number 20 the book of John chapter 20 we're going to be there in just a moment I was uh, in Texas last weekend and got to enjoy some time with our family and uh, a little bit of time just uh, encouraging and ministering them. And I tell you, it was just a joyful time, but I'm thankful that God lets us be back here in our home with our church family. And today, really for all intents and purposes, this is the first Sunday for me of the year. Some of you were here last week. I'm thankful for you, uh, being faithful in your place, but, but we think about this brand new year a new year dawns and when it, it brings with it this, uh, all the, the hopes and aspirations of things that could really be better than last year. How many of you had New Year's resolutions last year and they lasted about a month and they died? All right, you're not going to admit that out loud, but it, probably many of us, uh, the, the number one resolution every year is, I want to start exercising. So I said, listen, I don't want to be that guy that starts on January 1st, I'm going to start in November. So, you know, praise the Lord, Uh, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, the second one was to eat healthier. How many of you love to eat healthy? Praise the Lord, all both of you. We just thank the Lord for you. You know, what a blessing it is to watch those people eat the salad because those farmers need someone to buy it, amen. The rest of us, we're going to eat our steak, it's going to be good, all right. The third place is spend less money. And all the men said, Amen. Amen. Lucy was in a, she was talking to, uh, to Charlie Brown in a Peanuts comic strip, and she was lamenting over the year that she had started already. And, you know, we're about a, year, a week into this year. Maybe you feel like Lucy did. And she was grumbling to old Charlie Brown, and, and she said, Man, this year is awful. And she complained about the problems she was having, and she felt the difficulties around her at every corner. And she said, You know, I don't think this is a new year at all. I think I've been stuck with a used year. <laughs> Sometimes that's the way we feel, isn't it? Sometimes we feel like, man, we are facing so many problems and we just can't but feel maybe overwhelmed by all the pressure that is on us. and. But i remind you that God's message is for us today. And the same message from John 20 is something that we can use in our life this morning as we look forward to a new year, as we just see God do miraculous things. I just want to encourage you that you would see that we serve a wonderfully faithful God. I remind you that the same God who rose from the grave is the same one that Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. It's that same power that He rose from the grave that still works in believers' lives today. And I just want to encourage you as we face this new year, maybe it started with some bad news, maybe it started great with great hopes and aspirations, maybe you've been faithful for a week in your new resolutions, but regardless of... May we know the Lord, the sufficiency of His power, the sufficiency of His person in our life. But Listen, the the same God that rose from the grave is the one that still lives in us today. Paul argued, or not argued, but he encouraged the church in Thessalonica. And he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. Church, let me just tell you, we serve a faithful God today. We serve a God that loves you, a God that came uh, for the explicit purpose of bringing you to the Father. You see, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. Jesus is the way that we need today. And so uh, through this year and through this message today, He is our focus. He is the focus for what we do here at Hillside. He's the focus for my life, and I hope that He is the focus in your life today. Because as we uh, went, we were, we've been journeying through the book of John over the last two years. It's been two years we spend in the book of John, but it's been a tremendous study, and we're almost there. But the last message we had in John was the early uh, part of December. And as we left Him there, we saw Jesus was left in the grave. And I was so excited that as I was planning the sermons that we would be able to uh, pick up on the very first of the new year to be able to be reminded that Christ still lives today. You know, we may see Vladimir Putin pushing his tanks and his his troops into Ukraine. We may see uh, the stock market crumbling around us. We may feel the pressures of inflation on the bills in our home. But let me just tell you, he is still alive today. And we serve a tremendous God, the same God of yesterday is the same God today, and He's our God of tomorrow. And so let us find that He truly is faithful in every aspect of our life. And so uh, as we left Him there, I just want to remind you, uh, a couple, several weeks ago as we were talking about, we talked about YOLO. How many of you know what YOLO means? You only live once, right? I shared that with you. Here you go. Jesus, someone, He said YOLO, L-O-L-J-K-B-R-B. You say, what in the world does that mean? I had to look it up too. I don't have a clue. But Sister Amber pointed me to this one, and she said, laugh out loud, just kidding. He says, I'll be right back. Isn't that good? Christ is coming again. I'm so thankful. Us older people who are, you know, uh, at least 40 or so, you have to, what does, uh, does all of that mean? All right. Somebody did LOL over here. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's, uh, let's get in the Word of God. We need Him today. Amen. Amen. John chapter 20, verse 1, it says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where, uh, where they have laid Him. And Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher, So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed." For as yet they knew not the Scripture that He must rise again from the dead, then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had laid. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord." And I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast slain him, and I will take him away. And Jesus saith unto her, Mary. And she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go uh, to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend to my Father and to your Father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Let us stop and pray together. Our Father, how we are so thankful for you today. Lord, we thank you that... Uh, your precious Son and our Savior didn't just die on the cross for our sins, but He rose from the grave victorious, all-powerful. Lord, what a wonderful blessing to know. Up from the grave He arose with a mighty triumph over His foes. And so, Fathers, we come to this place. I pray that our hearts would rejoice with the truth that He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. And so may we be encouraged as we face this new year. May we be strengthened by the reality that that same power works in us today. Help us not to be afraid or fearful, uh, but instead boldly going, Lord, in those uh, regions that have never heard before. We praise You, Lord, and just look forward to the great things You'll do. Now please work in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. A few weeks ago, as we left off the teaching of the Gospel of John, we left off in John 19, as I mentioned. And Christ was laid in the grave there. You can go back in your Bible and see that last verse there. And it says, "...and there laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day." And they put him in the sepulchre that had never been used. And, and it was a place that Joseph of Arimathea had prepared for himself, but this was a borrowed tomb. He would only need it for a short time. And, and we had seen uh, the horrible atrocities that had been done to our Lord. We saw how He was crucified. And I remind you that Christ was not a victim in all of these situations, but He was the victor over it all. And there is no grave that could possibly hold the almighty, eternal God. And thus, up from the grave, He arose. And and that's what we read today in John chapter 20. And as we come to John 20, it's as if the Lord just focuses on this scene. And here in this moment, we see Mary Magdalene. Now, we also understand that there were other ladies there at the the tomb. But perhaps Mary was the very first one there that morning. And as she came in, we see that Mary was a very special lady who was dear to the Lord's heart. First off, we see that she was a wealthy woman in uh, Luke chapter number 8, but her wealth could not shield her uh, from the, su- the suffering that she had in her life. When Christ first found her, she was possessed with seven demons who enslaved her for their own vicious pur- purpose. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 2 it says, "...and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils." And so we see this part of her life, when she met Jesus, she was under the influence of seven demons. These that were in her life, possessed her, controlled her, and and oppressed her, and she needed the power of God. And then she met Jesus. And when she met Jesus, things were never the same. You know, when I look back in my mind's eye, and I can't help but be reminded that when I met Jesus, things were never the same. You know, I might have looked the same on the outside, but after Jesus, I was brand new on the inside. I was a totally different uh, young man and, and I knew that God had a purpose and a plan for my life. Well, listen, she was freed that day. Mary was no longer captive. She was liberated. And because of what Christ had done for her, she lived now with joy in her life. She had a deep devotion for Jesus Christ and she used her finances to help provide for the needs of the disciples and for Jesus. It says in Luke chapter 8 and verse 3 again, and jo- uh, continuing from that passage, Mary Magdalene is also con- uh, involved in this group. It says in joy, the wife of Trezah, Herod Steward, and Susanna, and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. And we see that she was was willing to minister to Jesus during his lifetime of all that she had. Now I'm just so thankful that Mary loved the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't just that she gave, but she was personally involved in the ministry and the work of Christ. And we see her at different places in the Scriptures. There along beside the disciples, beside Mary, the mother of Jesus. We saw her with other the other Mary as well. And we see that even at the foot of the cross... Her deep devotion to Jesus Christ brought her there where Mary, the mother of Jesus, stood along beside her, perhaps huddled together, linked arm in arm, as they stood facing the cross where Jesus suffered in agony You see, these courageous women, they moved beyond the perimeter that was allowed them, and they boldly marched up to that cross where they could be near Jesus in His final moments uh, as He was struggling for life there. And it was her love for Christ now that would not let her stay in her home, but propelled her once again to the grave to do what she could for Jesus Christ. You see, she loved the Lord. She loved Him. Truly, the Bible says, the greatest of all commandments is to love the Lord thy God with thy heart and thy soul and thy mind and thy spirit. With everything that you have, you love the Lord. Many of you, you're here today because you love the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it was her love for Christ that propelled her to the grave. It was here that she would bring spices to anoint the body. It was here that her deep love for the Lord would cause her uh, to give of what she had you see, she loved Jesus above everything else. Christ was the one that had given her her life. He was the one that rescued her from bondage, that brought her out of despair. It was Jesus Christ that we find that she was here to give her love to. And though she came in a spirit of sorrow, I just tell you, her perspective was transformed. You see, because Christ still lives, because He's alive, let me just remind you, our perspective is changed. You know, one indisputable certainty of life is that one day life will end. Job said this in Job 14, 1 through 2 Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. He says, in other words, life is not forever, and oftentimes in life there are great trials and afflictions that we must face. The psalmist asks this in a rhetorical question in Psalms 89 and verse 48. What, is ma- uh, what man is he that liveth and shall not see death? Shall, his, uh, shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave, Selah? In Psalms chapter 90, Moses even notes the brevity of man's life, and he says in, nine, in Psalms 90 and verse 10, The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and that's, uh, uh, that is uh, seventy years. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore or eighty years, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. You see, the Bible uses the comparison of our life to that of the grass in the field that grows up quickly and then withers away. Or that of a vapor in James that appears for a little while and then vanishes in the air. You see, death, it casts a shadow over all things in our life. It really, it makes a mock of our dreams, our hopes, and it fills man with dread. And oftentimes, people have have sought desperately to evade death. Back in the 70s there was a uh, in 1967 let me just put it in the exact year there was a, a surgence of uh, of uh, a brand new uh, development of cryogenics and this cryonics had developed a, a possibility to be able to freeze people with the idea that they could freeze the remain and then as technology developed then they could resuscitate them and bring them back to life Over a hundred people have had this done. Some people their whole body, some people just their brain. I can't imagine. (sighs) Who would want to save my brain, amen? Listen, but no one can cheat death. It will always win in the end. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes 8.8, 8, There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death, and there is no discharge in that war, neither shall wickedness to deliver those that are given to it. He says, listen, He said, I can't cheat it. Hebrews says it like this in and, and Hebrews 9.27, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. You see the universality of death Comes from the universality of sin. We are all sinners. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter fifteen and verse twenty-one: "For since by man, uh, for, excuse me, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead." In the very first part of that verse, he says talks about Adam. Adam uh, is referred to in the next verse. It says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Romans 5.12 reiterates this truth. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see, the Bible pictures death as an enemy. And as such, it is oftentimes greatly feared. That's why when Mary came to the grave... It was a time of sorrow. It was not a time of rejoicing for her, but it was a time of sorrow. And I look back over the last year, and in our own church, we lost many of our members that we love dearly. But I tell you, this is the truth. When you meet Jesus, death is no longer sorrowful, it changes your perspective. You see Job, he saw it as the king of terrors." in Job 18:14. Psalms said it in Psalm 55:4 as the terrors of death." You see, fear drives people to seek a relief, relief from this fear of death. Sometimes it's sought of materialism, sometimes just in pleasure-seeking or hedonism. Sometimes it's in false religions. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus died and rose again to conquer death. John 8, 51, Jesus said, Barely, barely, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Now, what's he talking about? He's not dealing with a physical death. He's dealing with that spiritual death, which is much more heinous than anything physical. He, uh, again, as he was comforting Martha over the grieving uh, of the loss of her brother Lazarus, he said this in John eleven twenty five 25, and 26. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he asks an important question, do you believe this? You see, he described himself in John 6.50. He says, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. In John 6.51, he goes on, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. You see, Christ gave His life that we might live. Jesus promised His disciples in John fourteen nineteen, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live. Ye shall live also. Timothy, once again, was encouraged by Paul in 2 Timothy 1.10. He says, "...but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel." The writer of Hebrews insisted that the only through faith in Jesus Christ can people be freed from the fear of death. He says in Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15, For as much then as the uh, children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise uh, took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power of death, that is the devil, and to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You see, our perspective changes when we meet Jesus. You see, because Jesus has delivered from the power of death. Now today as a believer, the 1st Corinthians chapter 15, he says this in verses 55 through 57. He says, "O death, where is thy sting?" Believer, let me remind you. Why are we afraid? Why are we fearful? He says, "O grave, where is thy victory?" You see, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's what Jesus does for us today. You see, throughout His entire life, Jesus performed countless miracles. Miracles that manifested His divine power over and over again. He healed the sick, He cast out demons, and He raised the dead. But nothing more clearly reveals the greatness of His power than His own resurrection. And as Mary came that day to that grave and she looked in that tomb and she saw the empty grave, no doubt she believed that grave robbers had come. As we look here at her reaction, and she runneth, in verse 2, and cometh to Simon Peter, and she saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher. No doubt, doubt she thought somebody had stolen the body. But we read a little further down and we see when Peter and John come in a little bit more uh, plain what had happened in verse number 7, and it says, "...and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself." And so the the question becomes, why would a robber ever take time to fold up gently a napkin? No robber comes into a house and and, and, and cleans it for you, right? Right? No robber's going to come in my house and and go through and run the vacuum on the carpets and and make sure the floor is swept up after my kids have been through. They they don't do that. Instead, they terrorize everything, don't they? Everything when they leave is a mess, and and it is obvious that somebody has been in who did not care about the things that you own like you do. And yet, she comes in there in her fear and her fright and, and everything, and she sees and says, somebody has stolen the body of the Lord. She missed the grave clothes lying there. She missed the napkin that was folded to the side. But when Peter and John came in, they saw these things and they realized, listen, this is not the work of some robber. This is the work of God. Boy, what a glorious thing. Jesus wasn't done. He folded that napkin and said, listen, I'm coming back. Just hang tight. I'll be back. BRB. For those of us who are uh, text illiterate. And so there's a couple of things I want to remind you. Does the bodily re- re- resurrection matter to us today? Does it really affect anything in our faith? And are just a couple of things about this that I want to share with you this morning. First off, the resurrection is inseparable to salvation. And the Apostle Paul makes this very clear. Join with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look at several verses here together. Keep your finger in John 20. We'll be back there in just a moment. But in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul deals with this, and he te- begins very at the very beginning of this passage, and he, he says this very simply in verse number 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. He says, let me tell you what the gospel is. In verse number 3, he goes on and says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. But he continues. Listen in verse 4. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You see, Jesus Christ had a literal death on the cross. There is no negating. The Romans knew how to, how to uh, destroy a life of a man. And they took the life of Jesus Christ while He hung on the cross. And then those disciples that were so faithful and loved Jesus, they took Him down off of the cross and they laid Him in the tomb. He was buried. They knew He was dead. And they came back expecting to see Him on this third day. And as they entered into the tomb, they came and they found the tomb was empty because up from the grave he arose; he couldn't, death couldn't hold him. Amen. There is nothing the demons couldn't couldn't keep him down. I tell you, he he rose from the grave and he is victorious even today. Paul later said this very boldly in verse number fourteen in the same chapter there in 1 Corinthians 15-14. He says, "And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain." You know what he said. If Christ did not bodily rise from the grave, then you and I have no reason to be here today. You see, I have no no good gospel to preach to you because the gospel and Christ's bodily resurrection are linked together. You see, it is the resurrection that gives us confidence that our salvation is secure in Jesus Christ. You see, by Jesus raising from the dead, God declared His satisfaction and approval of the payment that Christ made on our behalf. He made a payment for our sins on the cross. And He says in Colossians 2.14 that He took our sins and He nailed them to the cross and now they are removed forever. And, and as those who are in Christ, those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, we see that God's, uh, Christ's substitutionary death paid the penalty for you. Now, when He rose Jesus from the dead, when Jesus rose from that grave, we see that uh, we receive uh, confidence that His death uh, is the justification we needed. His death was what we needed to clear uh, away the sins that had accumulated in our life. The Bible goes on and He says in verse number 17 of this same chapter, He says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in, in vain, and ye are yet in your sins. You see, if we are still in our sins, we have no confidence. We have no assurance of our salvation. It is no overstatement to say then that Christ's resurrection is, is inseparably linked to our salvation. The second thing that we see is that the resurrection is the basis for our future hope. You see, Christ, before, because Christ was raised, we can tell those who look in the casket of those on their lov- the face of their loved ones, that listen, this is not the end of their story. And what a comfort it was when we laid to rest my bond, my mother that when we looked in her casket, I could say, Mom, I'll see you again soon. This is not the end. This is not goodbye forever. This is I'll see you later in the sky. What a wonderful joy it is to know that listen, this is not the end. You see, because Christ rose from the grave, because He didn't stay in that tomb, because He up from the grave He arose, we realize that that truth gives me confidence in the truth of the Scriptures. Verse number 18. And we see that if your loved ones believe in Christ, then they have fallen asleep, and they have fallen asleep in Christ. It says then they which also are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. And but we see that, that since they are united into Christ in the resurrection, they have not perished, but their souls have gone to be with Christ in a way today that they will receive their resurrected body. Philippians chapter one and verse twenty three says, For I am a straight between two, having a desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. He Listen, he said, I want to be with Christ. That's my longing, my desire. And as he told this, the church in Corinthians, Christ's resurrection is the first fruits of the great harvest to come. Verse twenty two in your Bible, first Corinthians fifteen, twenty two, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, after, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. What a glorious promise we have from the Lord. You see, apart from the resurrection of Christ, we have no future hope. As Paul says, in no uncertain terms, if Christ has not raised from the grave, then we, out of all people, are to be pitied. You see, because our hope in Christ fails to extend beyond this present life. In 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen, it says, For if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable." You see, our hope is not just in the here and now. It's not just in what I can accumulate it, how big I can build my castle, and how wonderful things can be here in this moment. But my hope as a believer is what's awaiting me. You see, if you then be risen with Christ, set your affection on things above. You see, there's something far greater awaiting you. You see, because Christ has been raised, we are those who can look death in the face knowing that it is not the final victory. You see, there is no lasting sting in death. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty four says, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, glorious news. Oh, what a wonderful thing, as he goes on and says, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? You see, I love how Paul ends 1 Corinthians 15, and he encourages you, Christian, because of this truth, because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, because He is no longer in a grave, but instead He resides there in heaven with the Father. What we find in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. As we enter into this brand new year, let me encourage you, don't give up. As so we look at this brand new year and we see uh, the, the desperation of people all around us, we see things in, in our world that uh, when we see six-year-olds taking a gun to their teacher uh, in their school, I tell you, my heart is broken for the things that are going on in our nation today, but I just remind you, because Christ is risen, we have hope today. Because Christ is alive, listen, my, my perspective is not doom and gloom, but instead it's joy and gladness. You see... Do not forget that the resurrection of Christ changes everything. And so let us look unto Him. But let's look, look back in John chapter 20 with me. And we're going to see Mary's reaction to this. And we see her initial reaction. She went to get Peter and John and they came to the, to the grave. We see uh, where Mary remains there by this side after she arrived, after they had run there. And we, in verse number 11, we see her once again in this place. And she stood without at the sepulchre, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. You can almost see her. Just her, her whole body is racked with sorrow. You can see her whole uh, uh, perception as she uh, wants to know what has happened to the, uh, to the body of Jesus. In verse 12, and see two angels in the white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, and where the body of Jesus had laid. And I want you to look on down as she begins to interact with Jesus Christ in verse number 14, and when she had thus said, she, said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and they knew not and knew not that it was Jesus. Now, if you will, just in your mind's eye picture what's going on. Because as she is there beside the, the grave, we see that her purpose was clarified when she met Jesus. As she was there, she was looking in the tomb, she was forlorn, she, she wasn't sure what to do next. She went and got Peter and John, but, but really she wasn't sure what should happen next. And, and she stood there and, and she was weeping and she looked in and she saw the angels and then she saw another man. She's supposed to be in a gardener. Listen, she was faced with the reality now that Christ... Was his body was not there, and now as we see in verse number sixteen, Jesus saith unto her, Mary. I love the fact that he didn't have to say, "Hey, Mary, it's me, Jesus." It points to the fact that Jesus said in John ten, "I am the shepherd; my sheep know my voice." Isn't that a joyful thought? Listen, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to say, "Are you Jesus? Are you Jesus?" I'm going to know my Savior. I, man, and I tell you, the first face I ever want to look upon is the one that died for me. The first one I ever want to, want to hold is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I tell you, I won't have to go looking for Him. I'll know Him, and He'll know me. You see, Mary knew the Lord that day. When she saw him, initially through her tears and her grief, maybe she didn't recognize him. She just just figured he was the guy that tended all the, the things that was here. Instead, when he said her name, she said, "Rabbi, Master, I know you. What we find is when she found that Jesus was alive, her perspective was changed, but it gave her a purpose, a purpose that was clear. I tell you, when we meet Jesus, we may be floating along through life, but when we meet Christ and we meet Him, I tell you, it changes our life. It gives us a purpose for living. Her purpose was instantly to tell others. Look in verse number 18. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. Isn't that glorious? She said, listen, I'm not going to keep this good news to myself. I'm going to share everyone I can The famous and successful coach Bear Bryant often told reporters when he was alive, listen, I'd croak in a month if I ever quit coaching. After 25 years of coaching at his alma mater, Bryant announced that he would be stepping down at the end of the season, and on December 29, 1982, he coached his last Alabama football game at the Liberty Bowl. On January 26, 1983, he died of a massive heart attack. He lost his purpose. You see, every one of us has, a, has a, needs a reason to live, a compelling cause, a purpose that gets us going when we would rather quit. We all face obstacles that hinder us and maybe make life difficult. And some people maybe allow these obstacles to stop them, but when you recognize your purpose is greater than you, and you realize the Lord is on your side, what we find is that God gives a purpose for continuing Although the story of Christ's resurrection didn't seem plausible, it didn't seem probable that a dead man for three days would suddenly begin to breathe and walk again, we see that it was predicted by Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 9, and verse 31, by way of reminder, it says, For He taught His disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill Him. And after that He is killed, He shall rise the third day. But in their despair, without the Holy Spirit's presence, they've forgotten the truth of all that Christ has taught them. And so we see there that when, when Mary met Christ, when she saw Him at the tomb, it changed her. She was changed. Her perspective was changed. There was joy instead of sorrow, but there was also purpose instead of, uh, in, instead of aimlessly wondering what's next. Now, let me share with you a couple of principles, and then we'll be done today. One, let me remind you, you are bought with a price. In the same way that that Jesus Christ has uh, purchased and redeemed Mary, and He brought those seven evil spirits that indwelled her body, in the same way that He set her free, Christ has offered the same to you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, He says, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. And He says this, Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's you see the body is his this life is his my purpose all belongs to him and so just like Mary was freed so when we put our faith in Jesus Christ you too can be freed freed from the the power of sin you can be freed from even the penalty of sin in your life when you trust in Jesus Christ and I just want to encourage you that that once you're freed you can lift up your voice and sing now I belong to Jesus Listen, I don't belong to that old devil anymore. I don't, I don't live aimlessly for myself and selfish purposes. Now I've got a greater good that I'm going to serve today. Christian, I remind you what Paul said to the church in Galatia. He said in Galatians 5.24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. He says, listen, you've got a brand new purpose. you bought with a price. You belong to Him. And he, and he calls us to tell others secondly. You're called to tell. One of the natural responses anytime you get good news is to call someone and tell them. I remember when each of our children were born, I would call uh, I'd call our parents if they weren't here yet and I'd tell them, Hey mom, hey dad, guess what? Uh, just Asa was born today. Hey mom, dad, look at this picture. Here's Anna or Josiah, uh, Joshua, they were actually here. And it was a joyful time. We shared with our church family. We shared with everybody we knew. We shared with our neighbors. Listen, it's a joyful time when you have good news. When you get a job, uh, when you get a job or you get a raise. Man, we love to share good news. Mary's natural response was to tell the good news. You see, the gospel is literally good news. That's what it is. Every time we tell someone what we're telling them is good news. And the Bible says, and the disciples later would follow the same example that Mary had here. And the disciples in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, Jesus encouraged them and says, After, uh, But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. They carried the gospel. They shared it with others. And listen, the Bible says later in the book of Acts that they turned the whole world upside down. You see, that's the power of good news. You see, this world is desperate, and they are looking for something good. Let me just tell you, we have good news today. You know what? It's going to cost, though. It costs us something to tell. Matter of fact, each of the the apostles that uh, followed the Lord Jesus Christ, they each of them gave of their life to Jesus Christ. And as they gave of their life, we read in the accounts of history what happened to Peter and Paul and Andrew and Bartholomew. And we see that many of them were uh, like, for example, uh, in Rome, uh, Peter and Paul. About sixty six A.D. during the persecution under Emperor Nero, they were both uh, uh, killed at his hands. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified. Andrew, once again, once uh, was crucified in Turkey. Later, Thomas also would also be uh, pierced through with spears over and over and over again. You could go through the history and the accounts of the disciples, and I could, we could share with you uh, over the, the last 2,000 years how the Christians have given of their lives, how uh, men and women have been martyred for their faith, not because uh, they were selfish, but because they lived for a greater purpose. You see... Sometimes in this age, we live for a purpose that is very uh, hedonistic. It's very pleasure-seeking. But God says, listen, there's something that is greater out there. His name is Jesus Christ. Each of the men, each of those apostles, they laid down their lives because the purpose was greater than themselves. Today, we carry the same purpose We're called to share in our community. We're called to carry those gospel tracts. We're called to go on the go nights. We're called to be a part of sharing the gospel, calling our friends and our relatives and sharing the good news with them. And I just want to encourage you, as we start a brand new year, it is a year that holds great promise. And it's a year maybe you've been carrying burdens. And I want to encourage you to see what John 20 points to us is that the resurrection of Christ changes our perspective. Instead of, of being uh, uh, trapped and, and feeling like we, we are the victim of our circumstances, we see we serve a God who is still able. We serve a God who is still on the throne. We serve a God who is still alive today. And listen, the world may offer gloom and defeat and discouragement, but we can live victoriously through Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you this year. Listen, I pass, uh, just encourage you to, to make your goal to know the Lord Jesus Christ better than ever before. It starts with putting your faith in Christ. You see, you can't know God unless you first call upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. In 1988, there was a young lady named Anissa Ayala. She was 16 years old and she was diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia. And the doctor said if she did not receive a bone marrow transplant after chemotherapy and radiation, she would die. Her parents, her brother, they were none of them were a match they couldn't find a donor anywhere else. And so her parents, both in their 40s, they conceived another child and hoped that this bone marrow would be compatible with Anissa's. To their great delight, it was determined that this new little baby was a compatible donor. And when Marissa was 14 years, uh, months old, they took some of her bone marrow and gave it to Anissa. And Anissa made a full recovery from the leukemia and both sisters are still alive today. You see, in a very real sense, Marissa saved her sister's life. She said, without me being a perfect match for my sister, she would not be here. But you see, Jesus Christ was born for the same purpose. We needed someone to shed His blood for us. You see, and when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, He gives you a brand new purpose, a brand new life, but more than that, It gives you hope in eternity.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's Word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for his help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?